This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Homesdale Radio, Football Blogging Award Finalist 2015, Hello and welcome to Homesdale Radio. My name is Chris Hambling and I'm your host tonight as we look back on a frustrating defeat at Sellers Park yesterday afternoon against West Ham. With me tonight to add their own pearls of wisdom to proceedings, we have Lucy White. Hello. Patrick O'Connor. Hello. Terence Ford. <laughs> Hi. And Jell Holyoke. Hello. Uh, we also want to hear from you, so check out hlradio.net forward slash contact to see all the ways you can get in touch with the show. We'll be looking at wingers in our Ultimate Squad feature. And we also look back at the impact Malcolm Allison had on Crystal Palace Football Club as Wednesday saw the fifth anniversary of his sad passing. We do begin the show, as ever, with our weekly visit to News in Brief. Here's this week's stories in News in Brief. News in Brief. Following weeks of chatter linking Alan Pardew with the England job, the former Newcastle boss has moved quickly to douse the metaphorical flames regarding the role, having seemingly grown tired of seeing his name mentioned alongside the three lines, whilst he is still, still very much immersed in his role at Sellers Park. Crystal Palace loanee Sully Kaikai continued his fine form in front of goal for Shrewsbury Town yesterday. Opening the scoring in their game against Scunthorpe United, the academy striker has had a fantastic start at New Meadow with yesterday's strike coming off the back of a brace against Colchester United. Julius Brody stated that his fight for a first-team place has begun after overcoming a finger injury and returning to full fitness after featuring in a number of development games. Speaking to the Croydon advertiser, the Argentina said there will always be speculation on who will start matches. I have done that for the last 12 years at Palace and always been the number one. Alan Pardew has rightly openly criticised referee Martin Klattenberg for his decision to give Bright Gale a second yellow card yesterday. In our defeat to West Ham Sellers Park, claiming that decision spoiled the game, Pardew said, quote, I thought a man of his experience perhaps should have looked at the situation and given him his final warning, but to send him off really spoiled the occasion for everybody. And don't forget you can keep up with all the latest news during the week. Visit hltco.org. 
Coming up we, in just a moment, we have got a big Mal tribute, but I, one thing I didn't mention in the opening in, uh, sequence, because it hadn't actually been recorded, is that we do have a special interview for you. I'm not going to tell you who it is right now. Someone may have let slip on Twitter <laughs> who it is, but um, that's just coming up in just a moment. But what, what we've got next, uh, Terrence, I think you're behind this, aren't you? A little tribute to, um, to Big Mal. Yeah, um, I just obviously on uh, every day doing the history articles on the website of what happened back in the day on each day. Um, Malcolm Allison's uh, sad passing five years ago came up in the week. So I just thought it'd be poignant just to have a little chat about him and the effects he had on the club because, you know, he's um, responsible for the guys we see in the club in these days, uh, being in red and blue and being called the Eagles and so on. So I thought it'd just be right that we just had a little little discussion about him and remember the great man. Absolutely right. And, um, I, I, you know, I've had what, what's been put together and it's, it's brilliant. It really is really impressed. And uh, obviously, if you want to add your own views regarding Big Mal, um, you know, in the fifth anniversary to passing, do get in touch. Just go to horadio.net forward slash contact to see all the ways you can get in touch. But let's take a let's take a moment to look back on Big Mal. Got something you'd like to get off your chest? Tweet us now at Home Radio. Good cut run, you know, doing doing well in the league, bringing in young players, building the probably the best youth team that they ever had. One two went two years without ever getting beat. Thursday marked five years since the passing of ex-Palace boss Malcolm Allison. Fondly remembered around Selhurst Park, those were the words of Big Mal as he recalled the highlights of his time in charge of the Eagles over two separate spells. First taking over in 1973, Allison probably isn't best remembered for his success on the pitch. Overseeing relegations in both 73 and 74, as well as failing to prevent the club from departing the top flight in 1980, it isn't immediately clear why he is so loved by us, the Palace faithful. In reality, it was beyond the pitch that Big Mal had his greatest impact, as he himself recognised. I changed the club. I changed it from being a dull, ordinary club into being a happy club. Tremendous supporters. Known around the game for his big personality and that trademark fedora hat, Alison wasn't always liked by those in the game, something Brian Clough knew a thing or two about. Alison the football man is essential to football. Alison the man, I think, is an entirely different character. Uh, I believe he loves football passionately. I believe he's a deep thinker of the game, and I believe he breathes life into it when it's been almost dead and out on its feet. The truth about Big Mal's time in charge is that he implemented the way that our fans now think about what it means to be a Palace player. And that was no more evident than the remarkable run to the FA Cup semi-finals in 1976. Evans, that's it! Number six, Ian Evans, puts Palace back in front. It had to happen sooner or later. The goal scorer was Swindlehurst, number ten. He's going past Moncur as well. There's the cross coming in. Whistle go! Alan Whistle! The star behind that cup run for Palace was a man signed by Allison himself for £110,000, the ever-tricky winger, Peter Taylor. Taylor! It wasn't just the fans that marvelled at their wing sensation though, with Big Mal showing a lot of love for one of the few players to have represented the national team whilst plying their trade in the third flight of English football. He was, he was exceptional. Oh, down, that, down that right hand side he was exceptional. I mean he used to, he used to bring the house down, the crowd used to go berserk. 
For that cup run alone, Big Mal would have lived on in Palace folklore. However, with banners having been held aloft the Holmesdale Road End in Allison's honour, and tributes being made to him by Palace legends including Jim Cannon and Peter Taylor himself, it is obvious that Big Mal's impact at our club went far beyond that on the pitch. The man who smoked cigars and drank champagne will always have a special place in Palace history. So at Hull Radio, we once again say thanks to Big Mal. Our club wouldn't have been the same without you. Got something you'd like to get off your chest? Tweet us now at Hull Radio. Thank you very much for putting that together, guys. That was uh, great to hear. And um, yeah, I mean, well, before we get into talking about um, you know about the about the West Ham game, fairly depressing sort of set of circumstances were there. It's just worth sort of reiterating that you know Malcolm Allison was a, was a true visionary when it came to football. You know, everything you look at him. The modern game now, you're basically you're talking about brands, you're talking about you know having understanding of how to appeal to a market and all that kind of stuff. He changed that for us. If we were still the Glaziers, can you imagine that we'd be, you know, would be anything um, like the team we are now with the, the kind of support that we have? I don't think so. Patrick? Yeah, um, I'm very lucky because um, my brother was a ball boy during the time that um, Allison was the manager, so... I was about seven, eight years old, and I, I really remember when he came in, how we just changed the whole, um, the whole what Chris Vance was about. Obviously, the relegations weren't the part that I remember as much, but just the fact that we you know changed our name from the Glaciers to the Eagles, and the color changes, and the strip changes, that kind of stuff. And you know, back then, Palace weren't supposed to take a manager like a Man City manager from them and, and, and have him come over. So, and someone mentioned in the in the in that broadcast about how the youth academy it is so true. I mean, that, that Allison came in, and that's why we got Kenny Sanson, Billy Gilbert, Vince Hilaire, Jerry Murphy, um, uh, 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 Peter Nicholas. So, so all those kids came through because of what Allison did change, change our academy around. So his, his impact on our club was so, was so huge, and I really, I really enjoyed that reminiscing because, I mean, so much great things. And again, that 76 Cup run where we got third division team getting to the, you know, beating Leeds, beating Chelsea, getting to the semi-finals was so brilliant under Allison. So I've got a lot of good memories. I really appreciate it. That was really great stuff. Thank you. No, it's, it, you know, it must be very, very special to those who remember it. Um, Jill, you're just about old enough, right? <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, when I come in, the, in our chat and I just wrote, don't come to me because I know nothing of him. Oh, yeah, I see it now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Uh, seriously, Surely you, it was, yeah. It was no, 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 no. Seriously, it, it was. Um, it's before my time. It literally. Um, well, what, yeah. how about what do you think in terms of the, you know, the club that you support? You obviously you've only ever known it post Allison, and so have I. In terms of what he's done, in terms of changing the nickname, you know, to the Eagles and us being this kind of, you know, the kind of vibrant side that you see now. Do you think that that's that would have changed that something that helped you actually become a Palace fan? Um. Well, the reason I became a part of, I've told you about the reason I became a Palace fans because my mates were all Palace fans and and uh, and it was our local club and you really should I think support your local club which is what I do now um, and I've done for, you know since 1978 so but you know I, I I know I know of him I know he was a a, a character the, the type of which we don't have in the game anymore uh, for for different reasons. Um, you know, he smoked massive lardies, and he had a he had a big hat and a big coat. He just looked, he just he almost looked like an English gangster. You know, this big guy who was just bigger than bigger than than other. But you know, he he, he made, I think he sort of might, might sound strange to say, but made us famous. You know, yeah. he, bought, he seriously brought us into the limelight of, of of what I of what I understand. He did. Well, even now, even now, you look at the fact that. It, 
a lot of um, whenever you let people look back at the, the past of Palace, it's always Malcolm Allison and his fedora with his cigar, you know, and Fiona Richmond in a tub with the players. <laughs> people, yeah. people still look at that now as as. Um, Could you imagine you know. Alan Pardew naked in a tub? <laughs> no, 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 Kate, no, 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 no. Price or something. <laughs> yes, yes. 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 <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that's, that's a bad example. Can you? Can you I imagine? Think Punch has yeah. got some of them photos. Yeah, he Ooh. must have. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's talk about that properly later on, Joe. <laughs> Getting mischievous already. Um, oh, right. Yeah. There you go. I mean, it, it, it's you know it's something that it's so far in in the past, but it really has shaped the club that we see today. And I hope you enjoyed that. And. Um, as much as, as much as I did anyway. Before I move on, I also want to make mention of our apps. You can go to hlradio.net forward slash iOS or hlradio.net forward slash uh, Android and then get uh, the whole radio app on that. And it's been updated a lot recently. There's loads of stuff you can do with it. I've been told to actually use it live, so I'm just about to do that. And I think you'll hear me, but like in the past when I press play on it. So it's just loading up now. I'll probably break. There, there's me saying, I think you'll hear me. It's quite confusing. So you can listen to me and us live. That's it there. Um, I'll shut it up in a second as well. So, that'll, um, <laughs> so, so that's on there immediately. That's what happens straight away when you go into it. But there's also on there the contact function where you can um, email, call, or... Um, something else the studio there's a chat room on there that's right the chat room's on there um you can also access all of our podcasts you can go onto our twitter onto facebook and get in touch and there's also a record function which allows you to record um about 20 seconds of audio i've hit record now so this audio will be uh, sent to the show a little bit later on it allows you to send it to us by email the email being contact at hlradio.net of course but i think that's automatically done through the app so it's all very exciting it's all very it's amazing isn't it technology what you can do these days so um, as i said go to hlradio.net forward slash ios if you've got an iphone or forward slash android if you have one of those um androids <laughs> <coughs> sorry i apologize why I did it like that. <laughs> Sometimes it's for my, just for my own amusement. This show. Um, anyway, <laughs> excuse me, moving swiftly on. Also, we have got the ultimate, um, ultimate 25 man squad later on, and we're looking at wingers. And the winger you've picked for us to look at is fittingly is Peter Taylor, one of those players brought in by Malcolm Allison for a then huge fee of £110,000. It was, and of course, you know, we'll be talking all about our well, some will be talking about their memories of Peter Taylor. As a player, some will be talking about their memories of Peter Taylor as a manager, and we'll all sort of come together and decide whether or not he's uh, going to make it into that ultimate squad, which currently sits as Nigel Martin as a goalkeeper. A couple of vacancies there still to go. In defence, we have Scott Dan and Kenny Sansom so far. In midfield, Wilfred Zaha and Jeff Thomas have made the cut. Uh, forwards, and Andy Johnson and Ian Wright. I nearly mixed those two names up. And uh, the only player who hasn't made it so far that was nominated is Michael Hughes in midfield. We're still furious about that as we speak. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so yeah, those, those, that's what's coming up a little bit later on. And if you want to get involved in that, go to um, uh, hlradio.net forward slash vote to vote in or bin in that one. Uh, you can only vote there. We won't be taking Twitter votes or chat room votes or message board votes or anything like that. So it's go to hol. I'm having real trouble with that today. hlradio.net forward slash vote to vote in or bin. Whew. I think that's everything. Everything out of the way. Oh, yeah, I want to give my mate um, uh, Darren a shout. And 
Luke is also involved in this, two mates of mine. Uh, they were, they were, if you're in uh, the sort of West Wickham area and you're after some discount fireworks, which you can have, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a legitimate is that business. legal? Yeah, of course it's legal. Not legal over here, I thought it was uh, They're at 36 Glebe Way, West Wickham. Um, oh, Yeah. Yeah, is that near your old stomping ground, Patrick? No, my my sister lives lives in West Wickham, right off. Oh, the there you go. Well, if your sister needs fireworks, then uh, I will actually yeah. text her now and tell her. <laughs> and, um, uh, well, no, we'll, we'll, wait, wait, wait. We all get ten percent off if we go there. And if you oh, if you mention, I've been reliably informed. If you go in the shop uh, and mention that you're a listener to Hull Radio, you get a free high five with your purchase. <laughs> I'm not even sure if that's true. I just sort of made it up. So if you don't get a high five, do let me know. Uh, anyway, Isn't that a stereo from the 80s. <laughs> yes. I, I was going to say I hope a high five isn't a firework because I wouldn't want that in my oh, face. Actually, it probably could be. <laughs> um, so if you go go to Twitter at Discount UK Fireworks or Facebook is Stuart Forks, like Guy Forks, but with the first name Stuart. Um, I'll check that out if that's of interest to you. Um, but yeah, you know, supporting local businesses, that's what we're all about as well, as well as talking about football. I think I think we should probably talk about some football. So, <clears throat> we uh, obviously, it's very, very difficult to, to deal with a defeat at the best of times, and the sort of kind of defeat we, um, we suffered yesterday, uh, even more so. I think there's a lot of frustrated people about it. I think you've got a lot of frustra- frustrated people on this show, as you're about to find out. But um, sort of, let me start with a bit of a game summary. Um, I sort of made a couple of notes as the game was going on uh, until I became too angry to do so. Um, and I thought that very early on you saw an interesting game plan from West Ham. They really squeezed space, um, particularly from goal kicks and things like that. Almost every single player was in the middle third of the pitch and not a lot of space to play through midfield, um, trying to force Palace to go long uh, with obviously Dwight, Dwight Gale as the lone front man. That's not the best thing to do um, unless you really want to hit the channels if you're doing that. We didn't really do that enough. But to, to our credit, those sort of opening 20 minutes or so, we were trying to play through West Ham. Um, and in all honesty, Gale was struggling at that point, and I think that's sort of behind what happened later on. He was desperate to get into the game. Um, for the goal, obviously, Wilf's lost his man uh, for Jenkinson's run into the box, and it's the second game in a row he's done that, so no real excuse for not realising that uh, that was one of their tactics. Um, so no mark in there. Um, I think Gale did pretty well to, to win the penalty. Um, bad error on the retake though running into the box the way he did and to be honest it could have could have been another retake as him running into the box before any before the ball was kicked for the off penalty so he, he had a bit of a nightmare to be honest with him to be honest with you not be honest with him um, but goodbye no mistake on both occasions and then obviously the game changing moment I think that's where we'll start the discussion gentlemen uh, Dwight Gale fairly Can- quick succession two very very rash decisions uh, in terms of his chat challenges uh, first of all, I'll start with you, Lucy. Was it fair that he got sent off? Yes. <laughs> um, in a Good word. Behave. I think, he was, I think he was very silly. Um, but then I think, well, I know we'll come on to it, but I think Clattenburg was, he was ready to give a card at any point. So I just think, I think the second card was given because... Um, you just mentioned about the penalty, the penalty retake. He, he could that could have obviously been retaken again, and he was just 
he was just being silly the whole time. He just wasn't. He didn't have his head in the right place. I mean, a lot of the players were all over the place yesterday, and I just think it was deserved. And I did, I did feel sorry for him, but he was just very silly. He made some errors, and he was given the card. Well, it was his birthday. Um, Patrick you sort of jumped in almost a little bit early there as well uh, saying that you didn't well go on let's let's hear what you think of it yeah jumped in much like much like Gailey did yesterday um (laughs) um honestly I I, the first card okay I can understand why I'd get it the second card though it was rash I don't see why a a manager I mean a manager referee with that experience couldn't have gone to him and said listen to me that's the second one you've got to calm down Next one, you're off. I don't know why he had to go to the to go to it so quickly. I don't. I mean, and that's what Pardew said. I don't understand why he has to get sent off on that. Of course, he's seen a million times the guy getting sick yellow for that tackle. But I mean, have a little. Have a, as these referees, they're so harsh, they're so poor. Clattenburg in particular is so bad. I don't understand why he couldn't talk. I've seen it happen before. I've seen it happen before. Arsenal. He talked to the captain, take him off, took him off. I don't know why we have to send players off so quickly unless it's something that's blatant, you know, goals going up between you, as they say, and et cetera. I don't, know, I don't think that tackle was that bad where um, the uh, red card. And it, well, I look to, honestly, look at the two West Ham players went to Martha and they, they consoling the poor kid. I mean, really, a, a red card for that? I didn't understand. And it spoiled the entire match. I mean, the match was perfectly poised at 1 1 going into half time. I just don't, I, I mean, again, uh, I don't think. Gail was still, I think Gail was very emotional, wanted to play well. I thought, again, I thought he did really, really well up to that point. He was chasing balls down. He, you know, got the penalty kick. He almost got, you know, he had the little flick, you know. I thought he was playing pretty decently, and I, and I, I felt bad for him. But um, I just don't think it was necessary to give him a red card now. I just think it could have been handled better. It's interesting, I mean, you, you say he played well before that. I, again, I'm not one to, to, to pick on players, as we'll find out later on. But um, I genuinely, I was watching him quite closely that first half, because I very early on, he got a little, a few chances to get hold of the ball, and, I, and he just seemed to have what a, a touch that had, it's almost like opposing magnets with the ball in his foot at the very, very start. And I think it, I was just thought to myself, he's trying a bit too hard here, because you, know, you know he's 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 overthinking it. The foot's not quite where it should be to cushion the ball, and you know he got into the game after that. You know, right. unfortunately, then got sent off. But for me, the opening twenty minutes, and again, I don't want to dig him out, but he he was poor, and, and we weren't really. You know, giving him any kind of service, and you know, I, I was, you know, I was worried at that stage, and I, I think that sort of thing's behind, you know, these kind of challenges because he'd have been very frustrated. He'd been very frustrated to be trying to out jump people almost, you know, foot and a half taller than him, and he's going to be very, very frustrated if he's, if you know, if he's not, when he does get a chance to get on the ball, he's not able to do so. So I thought. I thought there were a lot of things leading up to the the, the two challenges. Uh, just before I hand over back to Lucy, I'm just going to make a point on the second challenge. At the time, I thought it was very, very. Uh, there's not really too much in in it, but I thought he was stupid for jumping in. But having seen it back a few times now, it's not just the the jumping in thing. It's the fact he's you know he's landed on the top of the guy's foot and it, foot, right? You know, and that and that's it's a painful injury. Now I, I agree, actually. Funny enough, you you know you would like to see the referee use a bit of common sense. And think you know there's no need to spoil the game and send the guy off right you know here and obviously you want consistency because we've seen other players get away with it you, you know you mentioned the Arsenal game Cockerland right. that, that was very very frustrating to see but I think the fact that it's a painful injury and the guy's probably yelped out in pain when it happened oh he certainly I think did that's it. I thought he was dead um, go on Lucy I, I was going to say that I said to you during that first half he needs to come off yeah because 
of the way he was playing. He was a bit erratic, and it, it just seemed all over the place. And I said, I turned around and said to you, he needs to come off or he's going to get sent off. And uh, he ultimately did. Um, but, you know. So you're basically saying, now. look at me, I predicted what would happen. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but you're going to agree with me because <laughs> I did say that. <laughs> you did say that, yeah. It is true. But, no, that's fine. Everyone take a minute to, about how amazing Lucy is to have predicted that. Well done, Lucy. Lucy, Lucy Lucy's Ramos. Not Shadamus. Oh, no. Good, good work, squeeze that in? <laughs> we'll have a think about it. We'll edit it back into the podcast later on so it sounds amazing. Can I talk about the sending off? Yeah. Right. Remember when we played West Brom? Know that time when Dawson done some GBH on Julian Speroni? And then Klattenberg gave a dodgy last-minute penalty to West Brom. Yep. Do you remember in that game, do you remember how many times Pocanoli fouled cynically when Wilfred Zaha was attacking their goal? Absolutely, yeah. He should have been sent off three times. times. Six times, four of them hacking Wilf down when he's about to cross the ball or get into the penalty area to have a shot. Where was that grace for Dwight Gale yesterday? For fouls that were no worse than what that guy did in that game. Same for Coquelin in the Arsenal game. Um whole last season the first goal that Hull scored against us when we lost 2-0 handball then he disallowed a Palace goal for absolutely no reason what, what has he got against us? Like, I, it's getting to the stage now where since we come to the Premier League he's refed us eight times and we've drawn twice and lost six games now really? uh, you can prove anything with stats right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what, if you, we, what, our record with any other referee is not like that so I'll did, tell you what, I, I did not know that. That is that is shocking. Absolutely shocking, that is. Um, you know, I, I, I could almost, you know, you almost speculate him being a, being a Newcastle fan. You could almost speculate. Well, he you is. Know, the, you know, no, he is. No, I mean, you could yeah, almost yeah, speculate yeah. that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm not speculating about the Newcastle fan. I'm <laughs> speculating about his views on Pardew and, and, and Palace and that kind of stuff. But, you know, you can't really question, without knowing the, the facts, you can't really question the, in, the integrity as such you get into legal trouble so that's just me speculating <laughs> but um i wasn't i wasn't speculating i was out no, I, know you, it. I know you went terence <laughs> ford red and blue army.co.uk if you need to sue me come yep. knock in <laughs> he also views, said shearing the yeah that's the views of terence ford are not in line <laughs> i can't remember <laughs> what to say i can't think of how to phrase it so we're all going to get into trouble for that um but we'll come back to clattenburg in in, in just a moment but joe you didn't give your views on the sending off um, well, two fouls, two fouls, two yellow cards. Preach. <laughs> it's just like you say. I, I I was really frustrated because I looked at <clears throat> was it Kuarte, the number eight. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's a giant, and, and and what I saw him do was get get kicked, grab his ankle, go down, look at the referee. Then go down again, then start screaming, and then yeah. try and roll about. And they went down his stages, and I think, you know, it's Clattenburg, isn't it? I, 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 about 10 minutes into the game, something happened, and I just stood up and I just said it, and I shouted out, it's not about you. It's not about you. And, you know, 40 minutes later, we've got the whole ground singing, which was fantastically edited out by um, my match of the day last night, I must say. Um, but, yeah, I... I Listen, when you look at the slow-mos, they were two yellow cards. But when you consider what you know, the, the, the fouls that people get away with and 
it's really frustrating. It's really, really frustrating. I, I thought, you know, I thought for, for effort, I thought he was our best player in that, in that first half, right up until that happened. Yeah. You know, William, the, the, yeah, I did, yeah, because he was beating the centre back at Edders. I mean, hey, he's a giant, and he was beating him in the air, but he was flicking him onto who? To nobody. No one overlapping. You know, we we be playing players that are yesterday that were out of form and ill. So, you know, you're not going to be on the end of a flick, are you? But anyway, it's. I feel sorry for him. You know, two tackles, two yellows. It's not like he's, you know, elbows and stuff like that. So, um, see, I'll be completely honest. At the game, I was I was fuming with him, and I, I was to the point where I really was quite annoyed that people were applauding him off. Because, and I and I tell you why. Just obviously, you get one chance to see it when you're at the game, and and it was it was just because I, I just thought it was just so stupid. And I'm thinking this this kid's a Premier League player. You know, he he's pretty much you know fighting for his future at Palace and I understand him being wound up but you know 40 minutes into a game into the into a game if you do two fouls that's stupid you know you you basically okay Clattenburg's an absolute um do I need to we need to beat that I think but um <laughs> but, he, but he really is but you give him that they give him the opportunity to be an that's another beat there, please. And, and then that's <laughs> and then you know that's what you get so I, I was really really frustrated with him now you know, obviously emotions subside a little bit, and I'm still I'm still frustrated by what he did, but you know I, I I do consider him a little bit more unlucky than I did yesterday because. Do you know, do you know what I found interesting, Chris? Was the um, no one went to him, not one Palace player went to him. Yeah. Match of the day picked up on it as well that all three Palace midfielders nearest to him just turned their back on him. So I, I don't I, I don't know what to read into that. I don't know whether they just frustrated it with him at that single event or whether it's something that's boiling over from training or yeah, something that, that, that they're was, not happy that with. Strange. That was strange because yeah. the captain should go over to him no matter what. Yeah, yeah exactly. The pitch and to, to, a, to a member of staff to take him down the tunnel, but that never happened. Like you say, you especially, especially on his birthday as well when he's clearly distraught. Two West Ham players went over to him. Yeah. I found that a bit patronising, but yeah, I know what you mean. No, I, I, think, I, 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 I don't I, think it But was. then when you look at it, when you look at it in a cold light of day, it actually, it actually, it, it comes across as genuine. I've yeah, changed yeah. my mind on that. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I like thought to think it so. looked genuine. Yeah, I, I but, thought yeah. that I don't know whether they know each other or something, but both uh, it was a combination of they probably thought the sending off was harsh as well. Well, so they should, they should probably have spent a bit more time also having a go at Coyote for rolling around like a tosser, getting him yeah, sent off as well. That's the, that's Do you know what I mean? It's like, oh, now, now he's got it. Oh, brilliant. We'll say, oh, sorry, sorry, we got you sent off, mate. You know, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm. You know, I'm just. I'm, I'm, I just hate them. <laughs> we're, we've got play, we've got players creeping in that do it as well, though. Yeah, we have. Yeah, I've seen well, Suarez just... Suarez do it a few times already in his yeah. Palace career. Yeah, of course. No, look, it, it is what it is. You know, at the end of the day, he he gave. Oh, I'm using too many cliches, but he gave he gave Clattenburg the opportunity to make that decision, and and I that's what I think is behind the players turn, turning their backs because they knew 40 minutes into a game that they're up against it. The entire game plan, everything in that. You know, we're we're a team now who. Ex- expect to go out and win pretty much every game that's how Pardew has to set up and when something like that happens and, you, and people are thinking obviously thinking that that's a stupid challenge to make when you're on a yellow card and that's why that's how I saw it I don't think it was anything personal against Gale it was more of a oh you know nothing we could do about this he's gone sort of turn your back but you're right it's I suppose with with hindsight it would have been nice to actually someone to have a, have a word with him as he was clearly clearly distraught but you know, there it is. Um, we, we've got to talk about Clattenburg in a bit more detail. His overall game, you know, obviously that's the big decision. And I think 
I think you can argue that he, he could have been more lenient, but by the letter of the law, he didn't have to be. So, what do we think of his overall referee of the game? Uh, Disgusting. Yeah. Right, Cole Jenkinson hacks down the player when he's about to turn and take a shot in the penalty area. Gives away a penalty, doesn't get booked. Bear in mind that Dwight Gowers' challenges have taken place on the halfway line where there is no sort of attacking play going on whatsoever. So, effectively, he's not affecting the game in any way. Dwight Gowers about to have a shot, perhaps score, no yellow card. Later on, Jenkinson commits a foul that is absolutely no different to what Dwight Gowers did to get sent off. And still he doesn't get booked. Later in the game, Nikita Jelovic flattens one of our defenders, pressing him high up the pitch, doesn't get booked. Two minutes later, kicks the ball away, gets booked. He should have been sent off as well. If you, Based on how he'd already set the tone in the first half, and he's sending off, to not give yellow cards to the West Ham players for fouls that were exactly the same, again, just says to me, what has he got against Crystal Palace? Because if it was another Palace player doing that, Here's, all right, here's my classic example, the penalty. Look at both penalties. Adrian is about four yards off his line by the time Kabaya takes the penalty. Yet he's called an encroachment on Dwight Gow. Don't get me wrong, Dwight Gow's five yards in the box. But look at Adrian twice. He's four yards off his line as Kabaya strikes the ball. Was he interested in calling it back for that? You bet your fucking ass he wasn't. Sorry, that's a beep. <laughs> two beeps. <laughs> It was ASS. That doesn't count, I don't think. All <laughs> oh, right, fair play. But, you, know what, you know what I think? I think had that been any other club, any other... I'm gonna say, I was, was going to say top four, top six side, but we're still top six. But, you know, if it was one of the big six at the start of the season, um, I, I think I don't think that would have happened. I honestly yeah. don't think that would have happened. Yeah, Brummy Eagle's weighing in on the debate, and he's, he's used that same statistic, hasn't he? Where he, he said... Um, you know, he wouldn't have sent if it was Rooney. He wouldn't have sent him off. He doesn't like us. Drawn two, lost six in his eight games refereeing us. Who can forget West Brom away? And he's a Newcastle fan. Enough said. Pretty much what we were saying earlier, Lucy. I just think he's more interested in making sure his hair looks nice than what ha- what happens on the pitch. I think he's a <laughs> disgrace. He's back at Bamford's, mate. That is get tips off him. <laughs> it's not even his ha- own hair. Do you remember when he was bald? Anyway, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Got a fair few um, few tweets coming in, actually, as well. Um, that's the one about, Mark, uh, about Malcolm Allison there. Uh, Waggers has got in touch about Dwight Gale saying that he's fighting for his place, just put too much into it, lost his head, which I think is probably the, uh, uh, sums it up for me with, uh, with the stuff we're talking about Gale. But, you know, going back to Clattenburg, um, you know, he, somewhere in there, and I know, Warnock used to say this somewhere in there is a very very good referee, um, but something something happened. And I don't you know I don't think it's just the hair. I think something's happened with him where you know. And I, I'm not deliberately queuing this song up, but I think we've got it ready to go. Uh, but something has happened that makes it where he wants to make it all about him. It's all about you. It's all about you. You know, I think I think the stats. I, I again, like I say, I wasn't aware of before they were mentioned by Terence earlier on. Um, I genuinely wasn't aware that we'd drawn two, lost six under the Clapton. Do, do you know what the other draw was? Other than the West Brom one, the three-three against Liverpool. Was it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Did we get? A... <laughs> I don't think we got away with anything there. But, um... No, we didn't. 
No, There's nothing he could do about that. He did his best to give Liverpool a win. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he sent off Dwight Gow. Exactly. I, I reckon it. He, he had money on Liverpool to win the league. And then... <laughs> right, let's stop this. <laughs> Terrence desperately trying to get us into libel, libel trouble. None of, we, none of, we don't believe that. We're just joking. It's all alleged if anything isn't true. It was just, it was just for lols. <laughs> just for lols, yeah. For what? Uh, you cannot question the integrity <laughs> A referee like Mark Clattenburg. Homesdale Radio Football Blogging Award Finalist 2015. Hey, Joe, uh, you felt uh, Jason Punch, and I would agree with you, he had a pretty poor game um, out there. But um, I think you, you, you feel a bit stronger about it than I do. Um, so, I mean, first of all, let's, let's have a look at his performance yesterday. What was it that made you so, so angry? Okay. You, I mean, you lot think I don't like him. But I'd, like I said, I just play a watch, and if it was someone else, I would say, all right. But what he's done where he sits just behind the centre forward or where he sat yesterday I've, I've just this is this is what I would have done I wouldn't have I wouldn't have him there and I, and, I, and this is what I've put in a post um, on the homestyle and basically I said look Kabai will shoot punch him more likely not um, I've already been pulled up on that someone said he had a shot two weeks uh, he had a shot two weeks ago I think he had one shot yesterday but Kabai tries to shoot at every single uh, um, every single opportunity. But um, Kabai will track back, as we know he does. Punching most likely not. Kabai can see a play. Punching can definitely not. Punching is speed of thought. Punching uh, Kabai has speed of thought. Punching does not. And Kabai rarely loses the ball. Punching does loads. Now, it, now listen. If, if we're going to have Kabai, if we need Kabai as a central uh, uh, as a as a defensive midfielder, we might as well have Jedinak there. Put Kabai up there where he can pick a pass or he can shoot or be or be dangerous. I mean, to me yesterday, it, it's it's on small margins where we would have been 2-1 up had he, I, I don't know what he was trying to do, had he even tried to shoot when he was inside the penalty area. It, I don't know who he was trying to pass to. Was he trying to pass to Wilf? It went behind him. Was he trying to pass to... I don't know. I, I honestly can't work out what he was trying to do when he completely messed up yesterday. But the thing is, it compounds it for me because I've said to you for ages, and, and, and Terence, even Terence has said it, listen, you can't go in, in the Premier League, you can't have a two-month season. I'm sorry, you can't have it. And we cannot carry players. And we are carrying him. The same as we're carrying Balassi at the moment. But that'll be, an, a, we'll save that bit for a minute. You know, we, we can have players with problems. If they've got problems, we've got a massive squad now. You know, we can't play, we've played, we're squeezing into the middle of the field with two wingers yesterday. I'm like, what? what's going on here? It was just, it was a, a whole thing of circumstances that made, that compounded players playing badly or looking bad. It made them look worse. It meant punching for me. He had a mare yesterday, and, and he deserves a Zaha rest. So, I, I, you know, I was, I, it, I, I was amazed that it wasn't him that come off at half-time. You know, it frustrates the life out of me. It really, it really does. <laughs> oh, Chris, Chris has got no argument back then. He, he's, he's, he's left, hasn't he? 
<laughs> he's he's thrown like... his toys out of frame. I'm all right, I'm all right. I'm back. I'm back. What I definitely <laughs> didn't do earlier. Let's move on. No, right, in all seriousness, um, I, I just... I have, I have to agree with the points you're making about yesterday's game, right? Okay, so first of all, it, we'll, come, we'll come to the substitution bit. But yeah, if I could have take... If I could have picked the player to go off at half time to, to get the Sacco on, which again didn't really work out, but um, he would have been punching that went off for me, absolutely, because he was having a poor game. And I've talked before about his hesitancy. I mainly mean it on the wing, but he does take about 14 touches too many in some circumstances. And there's something wrong with him this this season, I think, in terms of his ability to get a shot away. I don't know. I don't know why he's doing it. I don't know what's happened. Last season, you know, last season he'd just shoot. This season. He wants to try and get the ball in almost the perfect position. He thinks he can sort of fake to shoot about four or five times. And in the end, you know, it's cost us a couple of really good opportunities yesterday. So, you know, that I agree with. Um, but your general points about him not being able to pick a pass, your general points about him not being suitable for playing in that position, completely belie, you know, the facts of him playing in that position well, over a period it. of time. I've put it out there. You prove it to me. You tell me. In terms of assists, again, I'm not. I, you don't have the stats in front of you, and neither do I. But you know, he, he's leading assists for us over the last couple of seasons. Uh, in terms of successful passes in the attacking third, he's very, very, very high up that list as well. Um, and let's not let's not forget, we're talking about the fact that he's being played there by a manager who's doing very, very well and has got other options. Like you say, he could play goodbye there. He doesn't, does he? He plays Jason Punch in there. Why do you play Jason? Why do, you know? Every, you know, pundits pick him out in almost every game. Now he's had, in my view, this season he's had two absolute nightmares. One was yesterday when he was poor, very, very poor. You know, he did do some relatively decent link play in a couple of occasions uh, in the second half, but you know, from from out wide. And in the first half, he you know, a couple of nice passes. You know, it, I mean, people would have been baying for blood if he'd taken on the pass that Kabai did, trying to switch play right across the pitch just drilling it straight to the left back, you know? Those are the sort of things that he gets absolutely slated for. And my point really, Joe, is that if you play a watch with a negative opinion of a player, you can see whatever you want to see. I could I could pick any one of our team, player watch them and pick out the negatives and go, that proves my point. That justifies it. Tell me I'm wrong because he did this, this, this and this. You could do it with any player. And you could do the opposite. You could do the opposite as well, two, can't you? Two assists in nine games. Yeah, compared to who? Compared to the other players? I don't know. Well, this I'm is my point. Saying, but yeah, but he's, yeah, but he's an attacker. He's put there to 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 lay the ball through for our attacker or for our attacker if we've got a, a forward on the pitch at the time. I, I, I just think we're out of sorts. I, th- I think we're completely and utterly out of sorts. And if we if we need, we're not though, are we? We're sixth in the Premier League, Joel. We've had we've had a game against Tottenham where we've been poor, and we've had a game where we went down to ten men against West Ham where we struggled because we just we just struggled. But that first half, are you telling me we were that bad in the first we half? We were. We, 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 we were fractionally forty-three minutes. <clears throat> we were fractionally the better side in the first half, and then in the, and in the second half, in the second half, we defended because we were down to ten men. It's unbelievable. Can, can, can I chip sure, in here? Sure. Uh, we've all, you also got to consider West Ham away away from home are yep. imperious this season. Arsenal. Uh, they've beaten Arsenal, Man City and Liverpool away from yep. home. The last team to do that was in 2005 and that was Chelsea yep. and they won the league. So that's exactly. a rarity. Are you saying West Ham are going to win the league? No, no, of course I'm not saying that. Exactly. Their first goal yesterday... Their first goal yesterday was some great football. 
Yep. My only nick of that is Zaha's getting caned for it, but I actually Great think man. it's. I actually think it's Pap Suarez's fault because he gets dragged out of position and opens up the passing lane, but that's way more complicated than we need to talk about. <laughs> it was a brilliant piece of football and shows why they've been beating teams and unlocking teams because they are getting great overlaps down the flanks by the fullbacks and the wingers are dragging the, full, the opposition fullbacks inside the field and they're opening up all sorts of opportunities for themselves and it's why they're able to score a lot of goals away from home because... They're very, very good at doing what they do, at breaking teams down on the break. And it, I think Chris is right. And so I, I think, Joe, I, I'm with you. For once, I'm going to agree with you on punch. And I think he's been terrible for a, a run of games now. I don't think he's been very good at all. But I don't think we need to start worrying about being all about out of sorts. Because like Chris says, we are six in the league. And it's a bit crazy to start getting overly carried away. It's frustrating because we want more points than we've got because we've probably put in the performances to warrant it. But in the cold light of day, 15 points in nine games is what we've got. I think we can't yeah, really, we yeah, can't really so complain cool. about that. I say, I, you know, I, I can't understand the amount of importance being placed on, on the fact that we, you know, we defended in, in the second half. Of course we defended in the second half. Okay, you could argue a little bit like we played like we were two players down instead of one to a point. You know, again, if you're being overly critical. But, you know, we decided tactically the best thing for us to do Playing against West Ham was to tr- was to see it out for a point. We very nearly did that, to be completely honest with you. Um, anyway, look, let's get some other views I, I, before my head explodes, Lucy. Well, I'm kind I'm kind of on the fence a little bit. Um, oh, yeah. I'm more leaning towards Cambo's side of it because oh, yeah. I, I've always loved Punch. I think Joe and I have often disagreed about him, um, but yesterday he was just all over the place. I think he needs, as people have said, a touch of the Zaha's, drop to the bench for a couple of games until he gets, gets sorts himself out. I don't know if it's something that's going on outside of the main game, whether it's something that's going on in training, or. but he was, he was really poor yesterday. But as we've already reiterated, we're sixth. We're above Spurs, Liverpool, Everton, Chelsea. All the people that... Um, you would normally think that would be above us aren't so I mean the Palace fans not all of them but there were Palace fans you know really ranting yesterday and a bit of today uh, how poor we are but we're not I think we just need a massive reality check we we were in that game yesterday despite going down to 10 men until three until three minutes from the end and we didn't we played awful Against Spurs, our other worst performance of the season, we were awful, but we was in the game for the entire game. Yep. Could you imagine what's going to happen when we actually start playing well? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I've, said that. That. I've yeah. said that, but I have said that. But the thing is, you, you can't carry players. And, and, it, and, and yesterday, we were carrying, I want to say two, we were carrying three players mm. yesterday. At least. I'll, I'll, go, I'll agree with that. In, okay. in, 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 in Are you including Sacco in that? Yeah, I am. Yeah. yeah can, I, can I can I jump in now for a second? Yeah, of course you can, Patrick. If, if more people were more polite, they'd have let you do it earlier. My, my thing is, it's just about it's the perspective part. If we had lost the same match to West Brom, I'd be I'd be furious. But again, we lost to a we lost to a ten men we lost ten men down to West Ham. Again, people aren't giving that credit for. I don't understand that you're going to judge any player post the 43rd minute 
on the Palace team because we're playing with 10 men. Jason Punchin is not a defensive player. He had to defend a lot of that match yesterday, which he doesn't do well. We all know that. So I don't understand why we're getting so upset over how he played in the second half or anybody in the second half when you're playing, you're playing down a man. As a team, by the way, who played, who played against a 10-man Sunderland team and did the same with that thing end up scoring goals. They obviously know how to play against 10 men, which is not the thing in the world to do, by the way. So to get upset over yesterday's match makes no sense. I'd, like, I'd rather wait a couple more matches and if he's still playing poorly, like like, uh, like Turn said before, like we did with McCarthy, if you've got to take punch out of the line, when Jedi is fully fit and, and, and Ledley, obviously, and whoever else come back in, you know, much or, or, or Chong Young Lee or whatever, replace him. But to, to get upset over yesterday's match, to me, doesn't make a lot of sense again because of the fact that West Ham is a lot better than we give him credit for. Oh, I'll think, give him credit. Uh, I'll give him credit. Sorry, I think you pulled you up on a bit on, on something, to, um, Patrick, because you turned around and said that he's not a defensive player, but but um, but Wilf wasn't a defensive player, and now he is. You have you can't. We have to defend as a unit. No, yeah. we have to defend as a unit. When we defend as a unit at corners, yesterday we defended with ten people in our penalty area defending. When the ball right. went out, it just comes straight away back. We can't turn around and say, you know, oh, well, because you're slow. You know, or you can't be asked to, to track back. You stay up there. What we do, we bring our forward back. No, no but what? No, 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 doing that. You can't. No, but, no. but what Chris was saying is a good point. You know, I agree. We probably put a party should have subbed out punch, and I agree with that part. I'm not arguing that part. He kept, he kept him on though. He kept on for a specific reason. But again, I probably would have would have subbed punch, and but instead of you know instead of taking out Wolf. But again, that's what party decided to do. So and it and it didn't work out. I mean, what do you, he can't go crazy because something he did didn't work out. Long time he does something that he was absolutely dreadful, and he's done nothing this season. We're nine games that's, in. That's not true. That's not, to say he's done nothing all season is not true. That's not fair. Okay, you're, right, not, right, you're, right, you're exaggerating again. I'm not right. exaggerating at all because if we had massively in position, Nasty. they would have done more. He's had two assists in nine games. Yo, well, that's yo, not nothing, is it? Yo, no, two assists. against West Brom. He and Kevai played great together. You can't deny that against West Brom. Punching and Kabai played brilliantly He's together. Supposed you can't to deny be. that. That was two matches ago. You say what you want. He's a, what against a really poor West Brom side. Oh, oh so right. now it's okay. It's now oh, it's okay it's, to no, make decisions. Okay. No, it's not. No, don't try and twist it. Right? He's had two assists and he sits behind our bloody forwards. That ain't good enough. He doesn't sit game on game, does he? He sat there yesterday. Ain't good enough. Simple as. But Joe, do you know what? How many goals have scored forward scored this year in the Premier League? You know how many scored? They've scored none. Every goal's come come from a defender or midfield. That's not that's not Punchin's fault. Well, it's not my fault, is it? Well, I'm not saying <laughs> <laughs> oh, no one said it is. You're we out, everyone we've gone out, everyone we've gone out and bought is just we, we've sold we sold the striker that was a proven scorer that he right. wanted to go, and, it, and that's why the boy he's gone. I, and that's, I, that's, I understand it, but my point is you're saying we, so we've got Gale who clean through yesterday. No one wants to pass to him, and then we've got we've got it's 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 just too fresh. We're not playing as a team. I think you saying, I think saying that um, Punchin, I'm uh, sorry, saying our strikers haven't scored any goals serves Gel's point though, because Punchin is the person behind him who's supposed to be feeding him along with the wingers as well. So if none of our strikers have scored, and if you, I understand Gel's frustration. Yesterday, when Punchin broke into the penalty area, he had an awful first touch, which meant he couldn't shoot. Then he had an all, and then he had an awful touch to try and get the ball out of his feet to pass to Zaha, and then right. he put the ball a yard behind Zaha. Exactly right. Right. In, right. in, in, in a se- in the second half, he had the ball. West Ham had flooded men on, and we had Belassi right in the middle of their two centre backs. There was a gulf of area for him to pass the ball into, and he overhit the pass by about twenty yards to Adrian. Where all he had to do was slot the ball down the middle of the field, and Belassi was through one on one. So I can. The frustration has to be there for Punchin because we know he can do better. 
I agree. And this is the third season on the bounce that he's doing this early doors that he's just not turning up. Terence, I'm not. I, I'm not arguing the point that he had a poor game yesterday. I'm not exactly. arguing the point that he, I'm arguing the point that Gel specifically made saying he's done nothing all season, which I disagree with categorically because he's had. You know, he's had plenty of decent games this season. He is not firing at 100%. And I've already said, I would, I'd have taken him out at half-time. I've already said plenty of times in the past that, you know, he seems to get away with having a poor game and never being taken right. off. All these kind of... It's all true. It's all true that, you know, that he he plays in a position... In, OK, he's not always actually in behind the striker. Sometimes that midfield's rotating quite a lot and he ends up alongside Kabay like he did against West Brom. But anyway, like all of these things are absolutely true. But you can't write a player off like the, the way Gell is in a generalised way, saying he never does this, he never does that, when it quite factually isn't true that he never plays well or he's never... You know what I mean? It's just it's insane. To us, to us, according to scorecard, I never put this up, Lucy just put it out, to assist this season. I rest my case. How many assists did he have last season, the season before that? Does that make him a bad player? Um, you know, and again, going back to Terence's point about the fact that none of, or was it Patrick's point actually, about the fact that none of the strikers have scored. You know no. what I mean? Just, 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 just no strikers have scored, none. And you're saying we haven't created chances? Go and have a look at the stats about how many chances we've created. Go and have a look at the stats about how many shots we've had. You know, punch him take some responsibility for the fact that the strikers haven't scored, but so does uh, the entire team, basically. I think my, my point on punching is he gets singled out because of the type of player he is. He will get singled out any time there's anything, anything anyone needs to be blamed. You know, we have the same situation, Campbell. Campbell, if he's on the pitch, he will be blamed for something. We have the same <laughs> yeah. situation for our entire history of players who, you know, we've actually got a fantastic squad now to the point where one of our better players is actually now a figure for some people to slag off just for the sake of it. You know, he's had, you know, he had a bad game yesterday. I will not disagree with that. You can argue with me till you're blue in the face, but I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with the fact Jason Punchin had a poor game yesterday, but I do not agree with the whole idea that he's not important to the team and he's not good enough. I think that's completely insane. And um, Chris, one more thing. Remember last year when Warnock didn't play Punchin and people went crazy about how Warnock didn't know what he was talking about, how he did not play Punchin. So when, yeah. when Pardue dropped him, I hope people are happy with that then because they'll be saying the same thing again. Watch. Well, yeah, but yeah. so what happened when he dropped Wilf? Everyone went mad, but then he came back and he had a blinder. You, you, can't, just, drop- you, can't, you can't just. What do you mean he didn't drop him? You put him on a bench. Yeah, but but he came on and he when you get dropped, Joe, you don't play at all. He, McCarthy's been dropped. He's not. You don't. Wolf Bulls wasn't dropped. He was put on the bench and then he came back and he's back in the lineup right now. He wasn't dropped. He was taken in the lineup for one match. It was one match. Really? Yeah, like McCarthy's been dropped. You won't see him again for a while, unfortunately. But he, but he, took, but he took him off. He took him out of half time because he was shouting across the pitch at Pardew. So he took him off and then he never started him in the next game. Yeah, so, probably yeah. more at half time and he changed but, the game. But, but yeah, but you can't, but you can't do that. And then, so, so did you see Wolf shouting at? at, uh, at yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Wolf shouting at Punch. Well, yeah, for that, for that ball that he laid it behind him. When, no. when he was clean through, he didn't shoot himself. Then he had the bad touch. Then oh, he sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you say a bad touch. That was that was a bad play. You need to get you need to get away from this that that you that you think I hate him, and I really don't hate him. I'm you just saying, him, you, 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 you look for the negatives. You, you player watch him and you look for the so negatives. What, that's what, what I'm supposed do. to do. So what am I supposed to do? Well, well, tell me where player watch. Yeah, player watch someone else. Then we can have a short Kelly show. or Kabai. Um, uh, last, last word on this. Uh, go on. If I, if I have to watch player watch Martin Kelly, I want to read something <laughs> on my team to get. <laughs> I, mean, that was I thought he played, played, played a right against Paya yesterday. 
He was good yesterday. Totally, yeah. He was good yesterday. He was your last game. That I do agree with in a lot of ways. You know know full well that as soon as Ward's fit, he gets his place back. Yeah. Uh, that last word that you said, the last statement there, Joe, and I do definitely agree with that in a lot of ways. And certainly that's how it works in football, that you pretty much are as good as your last game. And if we're being honest, Jason Punchin's last game was poor. But Lucy, as you were, you were saying yourself, it wasn't just him, was it? No, it wasn't just him. I thought most of the team had a really bad game. I don't think... Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Well, Gail obviously had probably the worst game of them all. Balassi was lazy. He just he just did look like he didn't care, like he didn't want to be there. He had his mind elsewhere. Um, yes, Punching did have a poor game, but you know we've talked about that quite extensively. Um, <laughs> Soiree, don't think he was that great. Um, I just it, it's just it was just one of those games. It wasn't going to go our way. Um, the sending off was the biggest factor of it all. If Gail hadn't gone off, yes, maybe we could have won it, maybe got a draw. But you know, we just we've got to move on now. We've got to, we've got it's on to the next game. Bring on Leicester because that's going to be a tough game. It is, it is. Look, I, I again just to pick up on, on the, the Lassie situation. Obviously, I I wasn't aware till this. Well, I saw it this morning that he was um, that he was actually ill. But that should be honest, and that does make me wonder why he was kept on the pitch even yeah. more. To be honest, but there, there you go. Um, but at the end of the day, look, we've had the general reaction was, was something that surprised me, and not just about specific players. The general reaction to the team, we've discussed it a bit, but you know, I, I honestly think we were better in the first forty-five than them, only fractionally. Um, and then I thought, you know, with ten men, we could have. I suppose you could argue we could have approached that differently. We could have. You know, try to try to sort of take them on the take it on the front foot a bit more, but we chose the option of defending. I think we did that all right. But the the halftime substitutions we've talked about. Well, is first of all why why is it Wilf that's going off? That's more I I still to this moment am really frustrated with it. Um, you know, I think he had going forward he had a better first half than pretty much most of our team. Um, and then you know he has lost his man for the. You know, for the for the goal, but again, whereas Suarez, like Terence said, Terence, why is he taking Wilf off in that position? Uh, I'm I'm not sure. Wilf's in the last few weeks has been winning penalties for fun. He's been terrorising defenders. He's good at holding the ball up, which is exactly what you need when you've got ten men on the field. And um, if Balassi's sick, take off Balassi. 
Wolf Zaha's played as a centre forward before. If you want to leave someone up there, you can bring Saka on, you can put him up there. On the other side of the pitch, we've got Jason Punchin, who was, as we've discussed, wasn't having the best of games to take him off. For me, Wilf Zaha is our form player at the moment, and he would have been the player. He would never have been the player I took off. So, I'm not. I'm not sure. I'm, I don't know unless Pardew believes he can't do the defensive side of the game, which I think his games come on leaps and bounds defensively. Yeah, yeah. So it, I was surprised when I heard that his name was said and I was really frustrated when Sacco came on as well because outside of his first two games, um, I think he's leaving a lot to be desired, if I'm honest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, look, I, and I, um, it wasn't the only substitution that, that annoyed me, really. It was the idea of taking Kabai off um, when he did. Joe, you got any thoughts on why he took Kabai off? Um, well, he looked surprised. Yeah. Which which was um but again, just I just, just want to reiterate one more thing. I mean he is captain. Um and I remember last year we were all saying, You can't say the captain off, you can't yeah. drop the captain, you can't do this and, and I said look we you know, we were actually told by um players at cer- at certain times that we've got five or six captains on the pitch. I don't think the captain thing is you know, I just want to reiterate that the captain thing I don't think, you know, I'm not too sure whether he was protecting him. He's on four yellows, I believe. Um, but, you know, bringing Jedi on, I, I, I don't know. Um, again, you know, I, I can sit there and be critical about punch, but when you look at the match of the day analysis last night, you know, there's a couple of players that were standing there that were jogging back, um, and one, one of them was Jedi. So, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I mean, it would, but, I take it it wouldn't have been your decision to remove Kabai from the pitch. No, no, I wouldn't have. But there, but there would be a reason, you know. Um, I, I, think, I didn't think it was getting lively either, really. But then Kabai's always liable to get a yellow cut. You know, he's got one yeah. in every every other game. He gets a yellow, so um, he can be a little bit petulant sometimes, or he can, you know, he just keeps getting kicked. And then, but um, I didn't think it was a very physical game. Although there was a couple of couple of kicks, you know, a couple of card three. There's probably five tackles in the inside game. Um, that warranted cards. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, a bit of a strange one, you know. Considering he's he's quite creative. Um, yeah. But I said the no, only I, thing I didn't, I, I, I didn't just very quickly. I didn't. Uh, what he didn't do a lot yesterday. What he did the week before was he, he didn't go short to pick up balls off of um, off of hangerlands. That was that was a, a real notice for me yesterday. You know, probably what was it? What was Hangerland had 39 passes and 38 of them were, were successful. I would say probably 25 of them were to Kabai. And, and he didn't do that a lot yesterday. So I was, maybe that was a, maybe that was good work by West Ham and shutting us down. I don't yeah, know, but was, I, that's, that's a little that's, bit ineffective, I think. That's definitely to do with the way West Ham play away from home. They, if you look, um, I don't know if you saw match of the day last night and they was talking about Brad Guzon and his distribution. So a lot of teams, a lot of teams who are pressing higher away from home, are starting to do that. They're starting to get onto the back four as quick as possible and shut down that pass. And West Ham are very, very good at doing it. It's why they've been able to get results against City and Liverpool and so on because they're good at closing the avenue off. So I think we just we it was a game plan to ignore that area to just go over the top of them and try and compete for the ball further down the field. Yeah. Uh, who, who's, the, who's the central midfielder that he got? The, the fella in the middle that came over and put his arm around Gale. No, Noble. Noble. He 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 doesn't move from the mid from that centre, and, and and that's what they sort of they they overrun us a little bit. They always had an option to go to to the centre circle all the time. Very very that's good. good. Yeah. 
It's been his game for a, been his game for a number of years now, and he's and he's yeah, yeah he is very good at it. You're right, Joe. No, I think it's it an interesting sort of tactical battle in a number of ways, and I do think, and again, I'm, I'm not one to dish out criticism, sort of left, right, and centre, really. And I do think that Pardew's made an error with, with both of those substitutions. Um, Kabai, I can kind of the only thing is you hinted at it a bit, Joe. The only thing I can think that he was starting to to tear around at kind of top speed in that midfield, and he was he did he did kind of sense of challenge was going to come in, and, and he was going to end up with a yellow there, but. In the circumstances, I'd have taken that and did, and try to see that out for a point. And, did he make a real? Was it him that made that massive run back towards the right back? Yes. And then he turned around and just went, "Come on!" Like really, you could see he was like wanted a bit more effort from everyone. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, yeah. Th- and th- that's why I'd have kept him on as well because you know he is an inspiration in there and I, and i think the longer he plays for us the more influence is going to grow in that in that sense but you know, i thought that that was a funny one and i don't i wasn't i'm not knocking the idea of getting jednak on the pitch in those circumstances i think it's probably a good idea um and then obviously later on ledley as well and and, it, and yeah i kind of felt i kind of felt we just sort of we sold ourselves a bit short there in in terms of trying to keep possession of the ball and trying to see out the game <clears throat> I think uh, I, I, sorry. I think Jedinak was born as well at the exact same time as Andy Carroll. So I mm. think Pardew probably saw Carroll and went, Shh, "We're going to need someone to compete with him in the air," and and he did early on. And then Car- Carroll just then went away from Jednak. He just moved away from him. Just kept like running to the other side of the field so he could compete against shorter people in the air or less aggressive people in the air. Um, uh, that, that was funny, wasn't it? When they when they scored their winner and they're singing "Are you watching Allardyce?" and they just scored a goal where they punted the ball to the back stick and Andy Carroll nodded it across the face of goal. Yeah, there was what? a certain irony about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like it. Um, we've got some forward reviews coming up actually, um, but but some of the team who are on tonight um, got in some early early forward reviews that I just want to share just to give you an insight into how they were feeling after the game yesterday. Listen to Homesdale Radio on the go using our Apple iOS app. Download at holradio.net forward slash iOS. Well, that was sh- hashtag forward review. Red card changed match. Patrick from New York. Well, there we go. I <laughs> hope you enjoyed those. More of those to come uh, a little bit later on. Beat machine out in force. But, uh, yeah, just thought I'd let you have a little insight into um, into the team's anger yesterday. <laughs> I think it's slightly spilled over onto this show, but we won't worry too much yeah, about I that. Yeah, eventually. That's a touch, yeah. Um, I was going to talk about the fact how does that that opening goal happen, but I think we've uh, I think we've covered that quite well. But let's let's look at um, we've got a re- interview coming up, and I'll let you know who it is. It's Peter Ramage who's been speaking to us from he's playing out in India. Uh, that's coming up in just a moment. We'll um, hear how Rambo's getting on, um, but we'll just we'll just see the uh, the last bit of this review out if we may. And um, <clears throat> excuse me. So. Let's let's look at the positives. Who actually played well? Who was good for Palace? Um, I'm going to start with Patrick. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'm 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 thinking going back to the back. Oh, Dan. Maybe Dan and Hangerland properly. I thought, honestly, it was such a such a tough match to kind of pick someone out that played well. 
especially in light of the way that we lost the game again so late. So I guess Dan played well on Hangeland, but then they gave up. They both shipped on that on that, on that second goal. So I don't know. I guess they were the best of a of a poor bunch. There you go. Well, uh, what do you think, Lucy? Um, Kabai. Mm. Kind of thought he had, he thought he was solid. Um, Hangerland. Um, and Dan, and believe it or not, Martin Kelly. <laughs> yeah, he get. Yeah, he did. No, he had, he had a he had a he had a fairly decent game. Uh, Joel, Chris, did you have go on. On on the goal though, shouldn't he have jumped with Andy Carroll when he headed it back? I mean, I just I I, I harken back to when Terence made, made the criticism of um Ward when Alexis Sanchez jumped over his back and got that header on the own goal. And I'm just thinking the same thing here. Why doesn't Kelly jump and try and challenge Andy Carroll? Because if he challenges him, maybe he'll head to back like that. Andy Carroll's a beast in the air, man. No, it, I understand, when, but, he didn't, but he didn't jump at all, Terrence. I'm not, no, no, no. I'm not standing up for Martin Kelly at any point ever. <laughs> but <laughs> but when uh, it's one of the few times of watching live football, whenever I've right. seen Andy Carroll, where I actually look at a bloke and think fucking hell as a physical specimen he's massive and when you see him jump for a ball it's all power and players just bounce off of him he's so powerful in the air I got it. Uh, and it was a, it was a tough ball to defend as well it's got Luke no Cup. You it can, was over his head but I'm just saying if he had jumped a little bit maybe if he jumps he puts Carroll yeah. off a little bit I don't know I'm just you know where, where was he, Hennessy? He re- <laughs> Bro, listen, don't get me started on Hennessy. We have a chat about that later on, by the way. <laughs> it reminds me, no, reminds me of, of Les Ferdinand and, 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 and all the, the rest of the really good players who were fans. you just got to keep crossing for him. But he has got a decent left peg and all. He's a little bit tricky, yeah. but... Um, Cop, but I'll tell you. I'll tell you what, talking about that and wrong generations, Andy Carroll, Dwight Gale, 10 years ago. Oh. What a Oh. Yeah, been out playing football for two years. Go on, Joe. What's, who was your man on the match then? Uh, Clattenburg. I thought he had a blind. Seriously, the line out that was in front of us was shocking. There was a ball that went out of play. I was looking right down the line and it didn't go out of play. There was an offside, one of their offside, two yards one of their players was offside and he didn't. But seriously, it was like it, it got to the point where we was just. It wouldn't have mattered what, what he'd, whether he'd have blown his whistle or not, or he'd have stuck his flag up. It was just, I'd, yeah. So I'd, I can't, I'd, if I could have picked anybody, I thought Dan. I honestly, I honestly thought Kelly played played all right because Paye is a he must be a nightmare to play against. He's a he's just just solid, solid, quick, tricky. Both. He's a great player. Really good acquisition by them. Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, I mean, you know, he's very much their sort of uh, kabai, if you like, in terms of um, the sign, equivalent signing for us. Um, Terence, have you got uh, given your views? I can't remember. No, um, I'm going to go Sacco. No, not Sacco. Pu- pu- <laughs> pu- punch- no, not Punchin. Uh, <laughs> but that's, no. Um, Gale, Gale. <laughs> um, yeah, best of a bad bunch. May probably Hangalan. Dan, there's nothing else really in there, is there? And Gel beat me to Clattenburg by one ask, so. <laughs> I knew he was going to say it, that's what <laughs> No, it's a difficult one. I had a look at the BBS poll a moment ago, and, and they've given it to Kabai. Uh, the two others scoring quite highly were Hangland and Dan. Uh, no, sorry, Hangland and Soiree, actually, with uh, Dan coming in fourth. So, yeah, I think there you go. Put one crossing yesterday, didn't he? Was it one or two? 
Yeah, it was. I think it's about one. We, 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 we need, yeah, he didn't overlap as much as what he what he normally does. He is he's the best crosser of the ball in the in the side, and we didn't we didn't utilise him a lot yesterday, which was actually, quite disappointing. Actually, now you mention it, I was going to talk about a bit about West Ham and a bit about Victor Moses and all that kind of stuff, but I can't be bothered. But what I can bother <laughs> to talk about for the next couple of minutes is um <laughs> is our crossing. What's with this deep crossing? You know, and as I said earlier, that's too deep. That's what she said. <laughs> so, seriously, like, it's all... And I think, you know, with Dwight Gale up, up top, I can kind of almost understand us bypassing him as, a, as an option to head the ball in. But actually, having said that, he's got a decent leap on him. So I just don't know what it is. Why are we always... Why are we always just smacking the ball? Either it goes sort of... Curls out of play before coming back in at the back post, or it goes straight out, you know, or... or Way, way, way too long. Yeah, there was two, two, two examples yesterday of that of Dwight Gal telegraphing his run to the front post, and they hit it over his head to the back post deep, and it, it was it's very frustrating to watch. <laughs> could we must work. I mean, it must be a deliberate ploy, right? It must be deliberate <laughs> to play the ball there, but I don't know no why. <laughs> yeah, hit it to the back post where there no one is. And obviously, I know, I know that the wingers are supposed to supposed to back up aren't they on the other side and become that sort of back post person and if you think back to the Norwich game Wilf scored from exactly that but you know let's let's not put every cross there and let's make sure someone's actually in that position first because we do really waste a lot on that um, but there you go go on Joe you got some stuff in the chat there uh, yeah net forward slash chat um, it's been all, all through the evening it's been sort of references to, to Shamak um, so I'm going to throw this one at you um, Who? Chamac. Hmm. Who? Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> I miss it. And I really... Do you think, all right, so, so what they're saying is basically they want to link him up with with, uh, with uh, Kabai. So what do you think about that, then, Patrick? When he's fit, I'd love to see it. He's never fit. I mean, I can't... Listen, I can't worry about players who are not in the team. That's why, as much as Terence and I... Yeah, and Chris like Wickham, and instead on the field, I can't worry about them. So, but I love to see Shemak. I love to see bloody Lombardo in the team if he could play or, or Ian Wright. But they're not playing. I mean, he's he's always injured. I can't. It's driving me nuts with these players who can't get back on the field. So it'll be great, and I'm sure in Pardew's mind, Punchin will be replaced by Shemak at some point. But he's not fit, so it's not even worth even thinking about. It's just yeah. not. That, that's whose you know? place is a threat, definitely. Absolutely. Um, There's no. Well, I'd, I'd hope Shemak so. Sure. I can theoretically kind of. Imagine you could, you that it'd end up being that. MacArthur and it'd end up ah, being punched alongside Kavai and then, uh, you know what I mean? But anyway, well, I, I gen- genuinely think that that's the change that I would I would make right now. And that again, that although we've had this long-running punching discussion, that's no disrespect to punching. I just think Shamak is ten times the player in that role than punching is. In that role, exactly. uh, but he's ten times the player of anyone we've got in that role. Um, how do you, you think um, Saka done, you see, when he come on? Oh, terrible. No, no. Again, I, I like what he's done in a Palace shirt up till now, but he just he he, he trapped the ball further than I can kick it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's why Chris, people talk about putting him up front. He'd be a disaster up front by himself. Yeah. He can't trap a ball. But again, put him in the right position behind your attack coming in from the back, getting shots off. He's fine, but you can't put him in a position where he's going to look bad. And you know, playing against ten men trying to control the ball and go at a defender. That wasn't his game yesterday. I mean, unfortunately, it's no. not. He's not going to look good at all. So. Uh, he really, he really struggled, and uh, again, and it, it kind of again, it brought home the whole thing of taking Wilf off as soon as right. it, it was quite obvious that Sacco was struggling a little bit. Uh, again, not for effort, plenty of endeavour in there. 
Uh, it just it just wasn't his yeah. game. It wasn't the environment for him. Uh, go on, he, he he gave the ball away for the winner for the second goal. He just <laughs> instead of just holding the ball up, he decided to go and try and dribble around three players instead of just making the easy pass in field, and that was how they scored from yeah. taking the ball away from him there. Yeah, it was, it was a frustrating performance from him, but you know, obviously, he's done a lot of good since he's come to come to Palace in terms of, you know, playing in that that wide position and getting some shots away and sort of drifting central. He's, he's an interesting player, but it wasn't it wasn't for him yesterday, definitely not. Um, all right, look, we could probably talk forever on this game and what we think was wrong, what we want to see next, but we'll, we'll come back in a little while. Um, talk about what we want to see for Leicester and clear up any remaining contact we've got from yourselves. We've also got the ultimate. 25-man squad feature to do. Technically, we've got to do all that in seven minutes, but I think we'll go on a little longer today. Um, so next up, it's uh, it's an interview we did just before the show went live uh, with Peter Ramage. And um, I started by asking Rambo how he was getting on in India. It's not, not something that I thought was going to happen at yeah, the beginning of the summer, but we're embracing the, the challenge, the culture difference, or the difference in culture and humidity and heat. weren't exactly built for... Um, <laughs> this high temperatures, to say the least, but I'm getting there. The boys are getting there, and uh, a disappointing result tonight uh, at home to Delhi. Uh, we got beat one 0 You know, there's plenty more games to go. I think there's ten more regular league fixtures, so points there to be picked up, and hopefully we can uh, we can achieve kind of top four position. Yeah. Um, in terms of like of how football's sort of viewed out there, obviously cricket is like the the, the main sport. There's superstars out there, and obviously Tendulkar's the um, the owner of, of the club you play for at the moment, Kerala Blasters. Um, what what is the sort of um, the support like out there? Are they getting fanatical about it yet? Or crazy. It... Yeah, they're crazy. I mean, I tell you what, I, I, I say this under my breath, but it, it's up there with with like with well with the atmosphere that uh, the Palace fans bring. I mean, I'm. No word of a lie. They're officially have to tell the police that there's 61,000 there. But um, tonight we've been told that there was, there was nigh on 70,000 in the stadium, which wow. I hook up by crook. I think there's a few, few, a few extras got in there. But it is, it's, it's phenomenal. Uh, cricket is the number one sport, but when you've got an owner of the stature of Satsun Tendulkar, and then and he comes to the games. He was there tonight. He was at our first game when he's there. Uh, when he comes, they're just coming at droves and the noise that they make. I mean, we, we got to the ground at uh, 20 past five or half past five uh, and apparently it was 50, there was already 50,000 in the stadium and uh, it's incredible. It really is incredible. Our, our stadium, anyway, we're, I'm biased in saying this, but we've got the best supported uh, team in the league, but it's, uh, it is picking up. Football is picking up in India. That's an incredible, incredible number of people in there. Um, what's, so you've got a huge support out there, sort of fanatical devotion to the team on its way. What about the standard of play? Is that what, how would you equate that to? Yeah, uh, to them? it's really it's, it's it's higher than I envisaged. To be really honest with you, I wasn't I wasn't sure what uh, what the standard was going to be like. You know, before I came out, I spoke to Andrew Moritz, who was out here last season, and he you know he said you'd be surprised uh, at how technically gifted some of the players are. Um, Tactically, their their awareness of positions and things like that isn't uh, isn't what it's like in England and European uh, leagues. But you know that's to be expected, and you do have to kind of take that into consideration when uh, when playing and training and things like that. But they're so willing to learn, uh, they're so willing to take on board advice, not only from like, players who like myself, but from other players who play in higher leagues and. Uh, in different countries, uh, 
they really do absorb all the the information that's given to them, and they're trying they're trying their best. And you know, we'll get there. We'll we'll get there. We're but we're, we're a young squad, uh, so hopefully, you know, we can pick up some pick up some results and get some continuity in. I mean, about that squad, obviously, uh, it's, it's a new club. It was only formed, it's only been around one season, isn't it? And like I said, Tendulk is one of the, uh, it's like the main guy behind it. But uh, in terms of the club itself, now led by Peter Taylor, so another Palace connection there. How's he getting on? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough for the gaffer, I think, because, you know, we have a rule out here where you've got to play five homegrown Indian players in your, in your team. And I think he's just trying to find that fine balance of, you know the the, the European-based players who uh, who we can play, and then obviously surrounding them with the Indians, and you know obviously the last couple of results we've we haven't exactly got what, what we wanted out of them. Um, so it's trying to find that balance of uh, his experienced players and uh, mixed in with his Indians. And I mean, all the boys are, are working hard. You know they've they all respect. You know they know what the gaffers uh, the gaffer CV. Um, I mean, it speaks for itself. I work with England and you know clubs like Palace and Hull and uh, and, the, and you know the higher confluence uh, of the English leagues. And he's uh, he's got the respect of the boys, and they're trying to work hard for him. It's uh, like I said we just picked up a couple of poor results in the last games, but he's he's working hard to try and get that that blend to to try and get a winning formula. It's great to hear. Obviously, Palace fans be wishing he does very, very well out there, as as well as yourself. Um, so you've you've had to leave the family behind, I believe, uh, for for this one. So obviously you'll be missing them. And and how long are you you planning to be out there for? Well, the league only runs. There's only 14 regular uh, games in the in the season, and then it's uh, the top four uh, go into like a almost like a championship playoff. You know, two semi-final games and a final. Um, so our regular season, I think, finishes the sixth of December. You know, hoping to reach the semi-final, well, the semi-finals, the playoff games. Uh, the club did that last season, and unfortunately, just missed out on in the final. So they're hoping to uh, to do that, which I think will take you to the the end or the, just before Christmas. So I'm hoping to be home just before Christmas and played in the the semi-finals and finals. But you know, it's, it is tough, like you mentioned with the family. You know, it's tough being away from them, uh, constant FaceTime and two, three, four times a day with the kids and. And whatnot. I think uh, I've been out here. I think it's just shy of seven weeks. We've just been out here, and my eldest, who's four year old, I think she's starting to uh, to understand why daddy's away and uh, and what he's doing. You know, she, she, at the start, she just thought it was a little adventure. He was going on a little holiday, but the longer it seems to be going on, I think the more she's uh, more she's understanding what you know. I've got to do this and to help them, and uh, hopefully, I'll be you know back before Christmas for them. And and. I guess, obviously, you'll be, you know, you're quite occupied with what you're doing with your own career there, but you've been uh, keeping an eye on Palace now we've been getting on? Yeah, but luckily, while we're out here, they, they, they literally they play all the Premier League games, and um, they had the goals yesterday, literally, as they were going in, uh, as they do with all the Premier League games, so I definitely keep an eye on them. It's, I've, I've watched quite a few of the games, actually, this season. I mean, a few of them have recently been on, have been on Sky, or the, the Sky Sports over here, the the Indian version of it, and mm. you know, it's been an impressive start, hasn't it? Uh, yesterday was obviously unfortunate uh, to get beat at home, but you know, I think if you if you give uh, the management staff and the players the points tally after nine games, I think they would have snapped your hand off, uh, off for it. So it's a brilliant start, and you know, hopefully they can they can kick on and 
Uh, and you never know. And, you know, I might be able to be what that that one team that seems to happen every year that, that pushes for, for the higher echelons of the league. And, and you never know what might bring from that. Well, your old mate uh, Glenn Murray has obviously left left in the transfer window. What did you make of that move? And obviously, great to see him getting some goals for Bournemouth. But um, yeah, had, had you surprised Glenn left? Uh, a little bit, yeah. I speak to I speak to Mother every week. Uh, we're in constant contact, and he's. I think he was a little bit disappointed to leave. You know, he. he I don't personally. I don't think he got the the run of games that. You know, maybe uh, if he had, he would have scored more goals, but. You know, it's obviously it's a, it's about rotating and trying to find the best formula uh, up front for for Palace. And he obviously wasn't wasn't happy that the amount of game time that he was getting, which any footballer would be like that. Not just Glenn, anybody. You know, every player wants to play football, and if they're not playing, they're not happy. Um, you know, I'm no different to to anybody. So I think he he wanted to make the move to to keep playing, especially playing in the Premier League, uh, which is the league that everybody wants to play in. And, you know, it's, it's good to see him scoring. Uh, I was really pleased for him to, to get his first goal sort of just before the international break, and then it was a great finish yesterday. I haven't seen him score many. I think the last one I scored, seen him score outside the box was the middle one in the promotion yeah. season. So he doesn't he doesn't score if he already texts him and, uh, and give him a bit of banter on that. But it's nice to see him playing. He's a great lad. Anybody who, you know, Palace will speak highly of him. I don't think there's anybody who's got a bad word. And, you know, I'll obviously personally now as a fan it's disappointed to see him go as a friend I'm, I'm happy to see him back up um, playing in the Premier League and scoring goals yeah now I think a lot of Palace fans are very much the same you know gutted, gutted to see him go and while he's scoring goals as well they just keep saying oh it was the wrong decision but that's football isn't it you, you make those sort of changes and, and you just have to see how it goes um, talking of seeing how it goes what's your views on Newcastle at the moment yeah it's, I've just literally I've got in and seen uh, just as I was having some food in the last Sort of five minutes. I was got rid of a shot when I seen it was five two. Uh, the wife texted just after the the game, uh, saying it was three two at half time, and then uh, to come in half an hour later and see it was five two. It was a it was a welcome sight after a tough night at the office. I must admit, it was a welcome sight to see that, and it's been a tough start for them. You know, there's been a lot of changes at the football club, and uh, I think it's it just hasn't worked so far. You know, these these players take time to bed in. Um, I think that's one of the good things that Palace have done over the last sort of 18 months, two years. They've brought players in that are, are kind of ready-made for the Premier League, and you know players like Kabai uh, bringing in, you know, going back, you know, about 18 months ago, Scott Dan, people like that, players who you know know the league. And Castle just haven't done that over the summer. They brought they brought talent, in, there's no question in that. But it's it's talent that you know, needs time to to get used to the. The robustness of, of the Premier League and the, you know, the full throttle, isn't it? And I think once they do, then you know we can we can I'm saying we 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 the fans as well. We can see we can climb up the table and uh, and you know just feel a little bit more comfortable. Uh, wait, what's your future plans then? You're coming back in December. You got anything lined up? Any talks been going on? No, not really. It's not. It's it's still early days. You know, it's. <clears throat> I had a few offers before I uh, before I came out, um, but to be brutally honest with you, it was it was offers that didn't really uh, excite me like this one did. Um, it's it's a chance for me to to experience something new. Um, you know, I'm 32 in November, and I don't think many opportunities like this will come around. Uh, it's it's something that I just thought in the long run. 
it might be it might be something I regret if I didn't if I didn't do. You know, and I'm looking to come back in January and try and pick something up. Uh, hopefully, something will uh, you know come up for me. Um, I'm still determined to, and still feel I've got a lot to offer. Uh, some club, whichever league it may be, and I've still got aspirations to to win things, promotions, whatever it is, and have cup runs and things like that. You know, I still want to. I still feel fit. I, in fact, it's, it's probably the fittest I've felt for a long time. Um, and I still feel that I've got, like I said, I still I've got a lot to offer somebody in, come January when I come back. It, it was difficult, wasn't it? Because obviously you ended up. Barnsley wasn't sort of great at the time, so this this offer comes in for you. Must been really, really appealing. I know you did an interview with um, Ben Nagel, um, who's occasionally on this show. We ask him quite a lot, but occasionally he shows up and <laughs> he does a does a shift every now and then. He's going to an award ceremony <laughs> for us. But um, anyway, he mentioned you played in front of uh, Pele not too long ago. Yeah, last week at Atletico Cutter, um, Pele was. I think it was uh, the anniversary of of a game that he played many a year ago. I think somebody said it was 30 or 30 years, maybe 40 years, something like that, that he played out here in India. Um, so it was a, a coincided with our, our uh, game at Calcutta last week, and uh, we didn't manage to meet him. Uh, I think he was literally flown in for the game and flown out. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, I mean, he's, he's arguably, you know, just... He provides good opinions on him and Maradona, isn't it? Who's the greatest? But I mean, to uh, to play in front of him was, you know, it was brilliant. Um, mm. It was brilliant. I mean, tonight Delhi Dynamos have Roberto Carlos as their manager, and you know, he's, a, he's somebody I grew up idolising. Um, and it was, it's fantastic. You know, they, they, that's one of the the reasons why I came out here. That you, you know, you come across these players who, you know, okay. I mean, Carlos is in his in his forties now, but you know, he played at the beginning of the season and he showed that he still got it. He's still fit as a fiddle. He's still got that hunger and determination to to win games and uh, and things like that. And just to, to sit and just have a, even just a two, three minute conversation with him uh, tonight was uh, was a surreal experience. Now that's fantastic to hear. And, um, you know, Pele would have gone home happy knowing that he's finally seen Peter Ramage play live as well. That's, <laughs> that's the... I think that was on his bucket list, wasn't it? It was <laughs> yeah, on his bucket list for two. Must have been. <laughs> anyway, yeah. mate, we'll keep in touch throughout the season and, and see how you're getting on. Listen to Homestale Radio on the go. Using our Android app. Download at holradio.net forward slash Android. There you go, the wonderful Peter Ramage taking time out of his day. He played a game, obviously, earlier in the uh, earlier in the day. Not been long, been back to his hotel. But um, just catching up on how he was getting on, having a great time out there in India, but obviously... You know, missing his family as well, but got to play in front of Pele of all things. Um, always I've good to hear it. from Rambo. Have you? Yes, I have. Well, right, I was 15 come on. years old. Okay. Fifteen years old. I played a giant stadium and uh, before Cosmo's match, and uh, he was there, and I scored a goal. Really? Did he do what he did life. with? Did he do what he did with Freddie Adu and claim you were the next Pele? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Not quite. <laughs> He That's was incorrect with that one, but there you go. Uh, anyway, yeah, um, didn't quite make it. No, not quite. It does happen, doesn't it? Anyway, um, so yeah, heard from Peter Ramage there. It was great, great to hear from him once more. Uh, but um, just to round off our, our chat about the West Ham game, um, let's hear what uh, what you guys think in our four word reviews. Four word reviews. Charles Bake, Clattenburg's unwelcome birthday card. Duncan Smith, Dwight Gale, headless chicken. Nick Philpop. Get off Gail's back. Joel Jimmett. 
regret not getting Austin. Nick Shepard, need a quality goal scorer. Paul Crouch, never understand Pardew's subs. George Brimble, Gale's last Palace game. Stephen Piper, win some, lose some. Lander Dangerfield, always get um, sugar refs. Paul Ashby, Sandberg is a gimp. <laughs> Mark Dallymore, come back Glenn Murray. Michael Johnson, the Michael Johnson, it's all about you. It's all about you. Review the game next week by tweeting hashtag forward review to add whole radio. The all-time Palace 25-man squad. Tweet us your suggestions and we'll choose in or bin. It is time to choose in or bin in our ultimate 25-man squad feature. That's pretty much what the guy just said, but I thought I'd repeat it. Um, <laughs> it's nothing to do with me not being on the right page or anything like that. <laughs> and anyone who says it is, is a liar. Um, uh, right, okay. So uh, we've been looking during the course of the last week or so um, at who we'd be looking at next. And it's, it's been wingers, and the winger that has been chosen is Peter Taylor, as I mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, plenty of votes come in via holradio.net forward slash vote and you've still got a little bit of time as we discussed to vote in or bin for Peter Taylor um, obviously a large percentage of us not old enough to have watched Peter Taylor play live but a man who is is Patrick <laughs> O'Connor <laughs> that is correct sir um, <laughs> as I've mentioned before my brother was a um, Palace ball boy so my dad t- took me to a lot of matches so around that season when uh, Taylor was really good for us, which is 76. I went to a lot of matches with my dad. And um, he was a great player. He was a right-footed, very straight, a right-footed left winger. Um, and uh, scored a lot of goals for us. I mean, that 76 season was the year we got we had that great FA Cup run. We beat, I believe, was Sunderland, Leeds, Chelsea, and lots of Southampton in the semis. And he was totally led our team uh, that season. He was a great player. It was great to watch. And I actually was a, a number 11 when I was a kid. I was a, I was a winger. So I kind of idolised Peter Taylor, one of, my, one of my early idols as a Palace uh, supporter. So I thought he was brilliant. And again, he actually made the England squad as a third division player, which was unheard of. I think it happened maybe once or twice before ever. So um, he was a great player. And I really, I really enjoyed watching him play. It was, a, it was a delight to see him cut in and score goals and stuff like that. So it was fun. Obviously, yeah, hugely rated player. And... Uh... Not a great manager, but that's all right. <laughs> yeah, well, I dare say we'll talk about that a little bit. No, but, um, don't, please don't. Well, you've, you know, for some, for some of us, that's all we can can really exactly. remember. I've, I've seen plenty of um, for you. Vid, I've seen plenty of video of Peter Taylor, and obviously, when you when you look at the fact that uh, you know, as mentioned a few times in our discussions earlier and, and a minute ago, it was just you know, if you're in the, if you're in the old Division Three and you're being picked for the England squad, just I've got to have a bit about you as a player. But obviously, we're looking at Looking at Palace as a whole, we're looking at the fact that we've we've had a you know a glut of fantastic wingers, of course, over the years. You know, I always always think to have mentioned Tommy Black, of course, whenever I talk about Yay. wingers. What a great no, I'm joking, of course, because you know he had that one spell when he needed a contract when he was magnificent. And that was about it. Julian Gray. Um, I loved Julian Tommy Gray. Black. Yeah, you would. <laughs> you guys are so young. Imagine wasn't he Wasn't he fantastic on his first ever game for Palace? Did he put more than likely? Yeah, I think who he crossed the ball for. Is it against? Did he score against Leeds? I, I honestly can't remember. I can all I can remember is his purple patch of about I think it was probably about ten goals in eight games or something ridiculous. Just as his contract was running out, and he was just absolutely storming it. Um, and then just yeah, after that, nothing. 
All but, um, I can remember is his curtains and beer belly. <laughs> yeah, I think that's why I liked him. <laughs> it's exactly the look I went for when I had hair. Um, anyway, <laughs> why are we talking about Tommy Black? It's Peter Taylor. Exactly. Just I can't believe I'm the Tommy Black. I'm, oh I'm really God. sorry about that. I have that to. I have to tell you. Yeah, yeah. Partly your fault. Um, so, Luis, obviously, you haven't seen Peter Taylor play. Um, you know, you're in a you're in a family that would have. Um, yes. So, I mean, you know, obviously you've got to try and vote in or bin. What are you thinking? Um, probably much to my mother's disgust. I'm saying bin. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> On the basis what? of what? <laughs> what? Um, I don't know enough about him. I didn't. I've, he was between 1973 and 1976. So that's well before I was born. Um, oh, oh God. Okay, so he was picked for England, but this is Palace. He scored. Glossing over that, that he played for England for a third division. We're going to gloss over that, are we? Yeah. Well, no, no, it's an amazing achievement. It's an amazing achievement. Of, um, it never happens. Yeah, exactly. Steve Bull did it. They can't yeah, even true. get um, decent premiership players picked for England, so Ooh. they're not going to... Um, controversial. controversial. <laughs> um, and I know he scored in the... He scored in the quarterfinal of the FA Cup. Um, and then he went on to manage us later on. <laughs> so you, it's his management that's... that's oh, it's not that. Okay. I just, I just, I'm not saying that he was terrible because I know that he wasn't. But I think there are better wingers to join our 25-man squad. Well, certainly you can only judge on what you see. And, um, you know, and we have, like I say, we have had some very good wingers. But uh, Patrick, almost inconsolable about this. But let's I move am. on. Let's I'm get crying. another view from... Uh, We'll, we'll talk to Terence. Terence is sensible. Surely he's going to be. Yay, Terence! Come on, son. Uh, as a player, he was everything that his managerial ability was not. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> do, do you know? Obviously, I'm. Um, I missed him by a few years. Being born in 1982. <clears throat> all, right, all right. Okay. All right. Nope. And um, you know, looking at the stat, stats wise, one in four for a winger. Goals wise, which yep. is obviously a very impressive stat. Um, you obviously don't get assists like you do now, so I don't know what that number is, but I can only assume it was higher. And for me, it's judged on when I look at him in videos, it looks like he's on fast forward compared to the rest of the players, yep. which tells <laughs> me something about how good he probably was. Yep. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the, the first goal, the Chatterton goal against Chelsea at Stamford Bridge. He just, he looks like he's on fast forward. That's not the only way I can think about it. The way he runs at that defender, those defenders, they just haven't got a clue. And those weren't any mugs of defenders. Those were playing for one of the best teams in the country at the time. So from what I've seen on video, I mean, he was clearly class. And um, his finishing prowess is something that um, our wingers could probably learn a thing or two from. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and look, it's, it is a difficult one when you haven't seen someone play. But at the same time, like you, you say, Terence, you can look at stats and you can look at a, a few things and, and sort of make a judgment on it. Um, but obviously, one of the things that is noticeable is that when he did leave Palace and, and, and join Tottenham to sort of play at the highest level, he never played for England again um, and, and never really reached the same height. So, you know, someone could quite 
easily argue that you know he was not a top level player because he never really did it at the top level. Um, again, without having the context of having watched all of that, I would I would be very uncomfortable saying that myself. You know, all I can go on is, is what I've seen, and like you, Terence, you watch those videos and you, you look at you look at him, and he, he looks head and shoulders above pretty much everyone else on the pitch there. Um, you know, and we we had, we do have it soured slightly by his management um, of Palace, and uh, as, as people who didn't see him play, we we're always going to remember that over over the fact you know over the fact he was a player for Palace. And I'm not going to compare, Chris. Right? Anybody see? You guys ever see uh, Pele play live? <laughs> no. Was he any good? Nah. They're ending the <laughs> argument. Next. Nah, that's good. Uh, we've got plenty of views, uh, I think, from the... Is, is, that must be the chat room, potentially. Or certainly from various places. Uh, let's have a look at those. Sheer class. Uh, earliest Palace memories. Taylor taking the P out of the opposition. <laughs> Gutted when he went to Spuds. That was from Nick Gillard. I think you might have heard of him. Uh, Dweeb has said, Superb player, crap manager. Remember the better times and they were superb. Uh, Norbert's gone for I remember when he first started to play for us he was electrifying and built a rapport with the crowd almost immediately and um, what we got there uh, Andrew Bokes gone for England International when we were in Division 3 got to be included in the squad uh, great player crap manager Nick Philpott there as well so there's plenty plenty of votes coming in almost all of them in a very very positive way um, and, and and again I think that if you, when, you, when you hear people who did see him play, talk about him in those ways. I think you know this is only going one way. But, Joe, you get a chance to say a little bit about Taylor. Well, I never I never saw him live. So I, what I did, I, I rang the old man because um, he used to go and watch Palace. And, and I said to you, Peter Taylor, what was he like? And he went, oh, I don't know. It was so long ago, I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> so it forced me to watch some videos. <laughs> like, oh, okay, time to sit around watching bloody videos. But from what I saw, yeah, he, he was very good. Twinkle toes on those muddy pitches back then. Made a lot of good players, or, you know, apparently good players look, look silly um, and scored some great goals. So, but, um, but yeah, um, just from what I've seen and, and, and just from, you know, talking to, to, to some of the older people that can remember, um, yeah, he was, he was a, a, well, the slightly older people. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> You know, when you, they're putting him up and comparing him against, you know, against Wilf, which is a, it's a different era, you know. Um, but back in the days, you know, the WWF was, was almost legal on a, on a football pitch. So, um, you know, it, you, you could cut, you could literally smack someone and, and, and get away with it. Um, but yeah, the, the different times, different. But yeah, I, I, I've, I've, heard he's, I've heard he's very good. And from what I've seen, he, he, he did look very good. All right, well, we're here to give an in or bin vote. Lucy's already binned him. In very very unceremonious <laughs> fashion. Sorry, <laughs> it's all right. These things happen. Right. Uh, Joe, are you going to go for in or bin? Uh, just on what I've seen. Oh, I, I, um, go bin. Fence. 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 Um, I'm just. I'm just. I'm really trying to go for all our wingers that, that I've seen. I mean, you're thinking really. Hilaire is going to be one that's probably going to yeah, crop see, up. Vince Hilarious. Salako, absolutely, Salako. You got to think like that. Do you know what? Oh, it's gonna hurt. You can't name anybody else after those two, by the way. You yeah. really can't. I've already said Tommy Julian Black. Gray and Tommy Blagger. Yeah, come on. Yeah, no. <laughs> Andres Rubens, come on. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take some stick for this. I'm gonna take some stick, but I'm going bin. I'm afraid. Sorry. Wow, that's two bins so far, Patrick. 
In, in, in. That's three ins. <laughs> <laughs> Terence, what are you going for? Well, so, bear in mind... Come on, weeks, story. Uh, Come on, uh, story. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk through my thinking here. A couple of weeks right. back, right, I've been Dandy Johnson on the grounds that I think there are five more important strikers to get in. And two of those, I said, were Peter Simpson and Johnny Byrne. And people, people shouted me down for never seeing him play. So by that, I never saw Peter Taylor play, so I should be binning him, which I'd think is ludicrous. I was also told that Andy Johnson has to be in over the likes of Clinton Morrison and Dougie Freeman because he did it at the top level. Well, Peter Taylor never did it at the top level, but he he played in the third tier of English football for us. And in that argument, only scored 33 goals in 120 games or whatever for us when he was playing at that level of football. Winger, so, winger. No, 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 no. I get, it, I get it. I get it. And so we're, I'm thinking about this in that scenario later down the line where you have to be, when we're talking strikers and we start talking about binning people like Friedman and Morrison and I'm going to kick off later down the line. <laughs> <laughs> very, very carefully think about things. Now, I'm going to say into Peter Taylor because I've just heard too many great things about him, despite the fact that he managed Brighton as well. Love Terrence. <laughs> I'm, going to, I'm going to say in because everyone I've ever heard who saw him play talked about how wonderful of a player he was. So I will in Peter Taylor based on what everyone has said, playing for England when he was in Division 3 and having a 1-4 in four rate for a winger in terms of scoring. But when it comes to Morrison and Freeman, I'll climb through the screen of your Skype screens and I'll start slapping people who say nah. <laughs> I owe you, Tell. I owe you. Um, forget, ignore Luke's comment, by the way, in the, in the chat. <laughs> so anyway, so that leaves it at two, two ins and two bins. Uh, before I give my vote... Uh, the listeners have come very, very strongly as a collective vote. Have come in with an in. There's absolutely zero people saying to pin <laughs> Peter Taylor. Come on. So, uh, so that is a three-two. So I've got. I can either take it to a draw, or I can, uh, or I can <laughs> validate it. I had some really loud laughing there. That's laughing weird. back there. I didn't. I mean, I am. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> No, so, you know, 3-2 at the moment, and I have to make it 4-2. It's a definite in for me, for Peter Taylor, uh, for all the reasons we've just discussed. And there's too many people that, whose opinions I respect uh, talking about how great he is. So there you go. Peter Taylor is in the ultimate yes. 25 squad. I call it an under-25 squad. I didn't mean to do that. The ultimate 25-man squad. <laughs> <laughs> Head hurts. It's been, we've been gone on too long. We're nearly two hours now. If there's anyone left listening to this, well done. I salute you. Um... Anyway, <laughs> Homeland is on very shortly, apparently. The producer tells me, so we better shut up. Uh, thank you. Uh, we have got Leicester next, so obviously I was going to say, what do we want to see? But we have got one remaining email that I'd rather discuss, but since you've taken the time, uh, Gareth Shapiro, to email in. Uh, he said he couldn't make the West Brom game, uh, watched it at home during the week, but he's wondering whether or not he papered over some <laughs> Some crap. Oh, dear. <laughs> Cracks. <laughs> oops. Uh, whoops just a slip of the tongue shut up Lucy it's like immature it's a Freudian slip immature <laughs> it is. Uh, unlike the lads at the game who were understandably elated um, I thought not enough was being said about how bad West Brom were how much they let us off the hook uh, at the moment for the cracks for me are that we're losing the 
excuse me, losing the ball too much in the midfield and our passing is not accurate or quick enough. I think West Ham were much better at completing the difficult passes and move the ball around much quicker than us. So in both games, he feels we lost the ball in the midfield far too much. What do you guys think? So quick answers, please, guys. Um, is there a more serious problem than the fact that we were down to 10 men, you know, particularly in our midfield area? Patrick? Um, I don't think it's a problem right now. Again, I, I, he makes a great point. Um, he's got, you know, one end to the other. He's got a very bad West Brom team and a very good West Ham team. We're somewhere in between, so... Can we get get past a few more matches before we start worrying about you know where we are? I think we're fine where we are. The points point total is fine, and I don't think the midfield is an issue right now. There you go, um, Jill. Uh, uh, there's, there's just loads and loads of this. I, I just I, I just hope there's not trouble ahead. All right, <laughs> here it <he> comes. <laughs> oh, that was. I, I can see it. That's it? Yeah, I can. But if we get a point out of the next three, we'll be, I think we'll I think we'll be done all right. I'm demanding, demanding a victory in our very next game. I will not accept any less uh, against Leicester, even though they're playing very, very well. Yeah, Lucy, what are your thoughts? I think we've just got to take each game as it comes, really. Oh, here you go. Oh. Standard footballer's <laughs> cliche. They're spending too much time lurking around the players' lounge. Um, or did I mention that I'd saw Pards yesterday? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I think yeah, we've just you know we've got we've got fitness problems. Um, hopefully they'll be rectified um, for the next game. Hopefully Wicker will be back. Um, just yeah, we've just got to take each game as it comes and move on to the next one. And what happens happens. Obviously, I want us cannot, to smash Leicester. Can't but... believe how many cliches you're using. You need I'm to take sorry. a long, hard look at yourself, young lady. <laughs> <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Apologise for patronising you. Um, Fine. All right. No, but you're right. You are right. No, we do. We we do need to take each game as it comes and focus on the next game, and that's Leicester. You know, and you know, can only beat what's put out in front of you, can't you? And I'll be <laughs> over the moon if we beat them. I mean, at the end of the day, it's just Leicester, isn't it? <laughs> any more? Any more cliches? We can't carry anyone for that game, you know that. You're right, Joe. We can't. All we don't. Yeah. Anyway, what? I think we're getting a little bit giddy. Um, My go? So, can, can I have a go? Oh, go cool on. Um, the reason why our passing has not been great as it was in early on in the season is because we are missing Connor Wickham and there isn't that easy outlet ball that Connor Wickham offers. And it means that the players are having to make much more difficult passes to try and find that forward pass. So, when, as soon as Conor Wickham comes back, it will all be fine. Don't worry. <laughs> It'll all be fine. Don't worry. I like it. And I know we talk about him all the time, you know, because we're slightly obsessed that he's going to be brilliant for us. But, um, you know, though the performances that he has actually put in, you know, when he came on against Norwich in the first game, you know, the, the game against Chelsea in particular, you know, that's that's almost the complete sort of forward display, if you like, you know, the way the way. He, you know, he was able to hold the ball up, but also provide a real threat. You know, a goal. Okay, he hasn't scored for us yet, but people are very much too keen to hold in on that, considering how little football he's played for us. And, and the real worry is the fact that we haven't had him fit for any length of time this season. And you know, if that carries on, we might have a problem there. But all right, I think we've uh, covered the reasons. Um, well, covered covered the sort of discussion around that email. Thank you very much for that, Gareth. And that's it for us. Um, 
nearly two hours this week. You're very, very lucky people. But uh, we'll be back, of course, next Sunday. <laughs> at uh, <laughs> I was just trying to think we had, we had a Saturday or Sunday game. We'll be back next Sunday at 7pm. Uh, um, if you're after listening to the show again or you already caught part of it, podcast will be up for your commute tomorrow uh, by the sounds of things. So all that remains is for me to say thank you very much to Sam and Tab for producing. Um, thank you very much to Terence, to Jill, to Lucy and to Patrick. I've been Chris Hambling. Goodbye. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure, 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.